verses 1 through 6. Another time Jesus went to the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? Seems like a pretty easy question, doesn't it? Um, but they, remind, they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Is there anything in the story that strikes you as odd? Verse 2, they were looking for a reason to accuse. They were watching him closely to see if Jesus would heal on the Sabbath. Let me make an abrupt stop and move from the scripture to us for a moment. How do you feel about conflict? Silly question, right? Very few people enjoy conflict. Most of us avoid it. We avoid it whenever possible, and we avoid it even when there's significant cost involved. If we were invited to a dinner party with a group of diehard Republicans, most of us would not wear an I love the Obamas shirt. Conversely, if we were invited by a group of diehard liberals, we'd probably not wear a MAGA hat. We don't do these sort of silly things because we know it isn't going to be productive. It will make people mad and little more. It may get us into a good deal of trouble. I mean, some of us might do it as a joke or a dare, but we don't do it to accomplish anything. But yet, in some ways, what Jesus does here in Mark chapter 3, it seems not too different from those absurd examples. Jesus went into the synagogue. Quick recap. The Jewish faith is first and foremost about following the law. It is about honoring the law. And the synagogue is the place where the, the law is most honored and taught. It is RFK Stadium, FedEx Field, and the NFL Hall of Fame all rolled into one for a Washington football fan. It is the place where the Jewish law is most highly regarded. And according to the law, it is not lawful, it is not allowed to work on the Sabbath. And healing was considered an act of work. So this is our context for Mark chapter 3. And on top of this, verse 2 says, some were watching Jesus, looking for a reason to accuse him. But Jesus goes into that synagogue and sees a man with a shriveled hand. So at this point, if you were Jesus' most trusted advisor, like you were his close friend, and you see what's going on. You see that Jesus has taken notice of this man with the shriveled hand. 
What what might you say to Jesus at that point? Jesus, I know that you like to heal people, but can I humbly suggest, with all good intentions, that this really isn't the place or time to do that? Or maybe, Jesus, I see you eyeing the guy with the shriveled hand. Let me go pass him a note and ask him to meet us somewhere else tomorrow afternoon. Or perhaps you know Jesus' determination. You know that Jesus is going to heal this guy no matter what you suggest. And so you take a different tact. You say, Jesus, you and the shriveled hand guy go slip over there into the corner. And the disciples and I will go over here, throw over some tables, and make a scene. And during that scene, then you can heal him. And it'll all be good. I'm being a bit silly, but the point is, Jesus had plenty of options. He didn't have to create such a scene, but that is just what he does. And it isn't that he creates a scene as a consequence of the healing. He quite intentionally draws everyone's attention to what he's about to do. Look at verse 3. Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. I'm going to make sure everybody sees this incredibly provocative act. And you, the trusted advisor, throw your hands onto your face and say, we are all going to die. What is he doing? And why? Why? just so some guy can have a healed hand? In the scheme of things, in the bigger picture, how important is this one man's hand? It's not like he becomes some world-famous painter or pianist. Why was his hand so important? As far as we know, we'd never hear from him again. So why create this conflict? Does it make sense to you? Is this a model you would teach your kids? Don't we learn people's hot buttons and that we should avoid them? So why does Jesus go out of his way to press the hot buttons of these Pharisees? A different question. How are we to relate to this story? What are the points of connection? What does this story have to do with us? Most of us don't have shriveled hands, although I'm sure some of us have physical ailments. My assumption of us, assumption is most of us don't visit synagogues too often. So where are we in the story? It's kind of fun to see us as Jesus, the hero that stands up to the institutional powers and brings good to the lowly. Jesus will not be bound by, in his efforts to do good, to He won't be bound by convention. He won't be bound by the powers that be to demonstrate his power of good over evil. This is a fun, invigorating way to read the story. And I don't knock that. Scripture is meant to inspire. It's meant to invigorate. It's not meant to bore us. It's meant to spur us on to take stands and to be like Jesus. But I wonder if in this case, 
There isn't value in seeing ourselves as the Pharisees. It may hurt. Probably won't give us the rush that seeing ourselves as Jesus does. But there may be value in it. First, we need to remember that the Pharisees were people too. We always, they usually get characterized as the bad guy. But the reality is they're not that different from us. They're trying to get by in life as best they can. They're looking to provide for their families, to be successful, and to honor God in the process. In, the, in pursuit of all these things, they have put their trust in the Bible, their Bible. They've put their trust in the law of Moses. In much the same way, we put our trust in the Bible. They trust that the law is from God and that it is in honoring the law that they honor God and are most likely to live in peace and prosperity. But along the way, some things have been, become misaligned. Instead of the law being about honoring God, it has become a vehicle of power and self-service. The law was intended to be a guide to help the people live well, to live in harmony with God and one another. But in some ways, it became terribly distorted. It became more a contest to see who could jump through all the hoops. And consequently, the people lost sight of the original intention of peace and harmony. Jesus asked the people, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? He is challenging the people to get back to the intention of the law. What is the law for? It is to promote good, to promote life. He is challenging people to see the conflict in their values. You say you're about good things, then do good things. Don't use the law as an excuse to not do good. Now, we may quickly dismiss those lessons as irrelevant to us. We could say, we've graduated beyond the law. We are people of grace. Or perhaps you could argue that our allegiance is to the Bible. And that allegiance could never lead us to do harm, the way the Pharisees' allegiance to the law led them to do harm. And certainly, a God-honoring, spirit-led reading of the Bible is not going to lead any of us to do bad things. But at a minimum, should we not read these stories of the Pharisees as a cautionary tale, a reminder to stay humble, a call that God may still be calling us to change, that we might not be getting it all just right, that God might be calling us to something more, and this is where the story gets really good. Why does Jesus create this conflict? Because Jesus does create this conflict. I, I don't know how you read the story otherwise. He asks the guy to stand up in front of everybody and does the exact thing that he knows the Pharisees think is unlawful. Why? Why did Jesus create such a conflict in, in the synagogue on the Sabbath? It was for justice. It is to set things right between God and people. And even more than that, it was because he loved the Pharisees. 
even more than he loved the guy with the shriveled hand, I think he wanted the Pharisees to know he loved them and he was coming after them. He wanted them to be at peace with God. And it is difficult to be at peace with God when our values are at odds with God's values. Why did Jesus create this conflict? Because he loves the Pharisees and that's why it is good for us to put ourselves in their shoes. Jesus loves us. Jesus loves the Pharisees and he loves them too much to allow them to remain as they are. He loves them too much to allow them to continue to ignore their hypocrisy and the conflicting values in their lives. He loves us too much to allow us to continue as we are. The simple truth is, is that we are all falling short of the standard of Jesus. And we need to look again to see where we are falling short. What do we value and how do those values measure up with God's values? We value safety and security and comfort. We value ourselves over others. Those values don't make us evil, but are they in line with the life of Jesus? How often do we indulge ourselves, buy what we want, do what we want, and in the process, deny a gift for someone else? Do we allow our value of comfort and the way we think things should be to stop us from loving others? You see, I'm of the conviction that Jesus was a man of exceptionally high standards. High standards which he didn't just live by, but that he calls us to live by. And every time we come to God, every time we come to God through scripture, come to God in prayer, come to God through worship, when we come to God, we are encountering the holiness of God, the beauty of God, the justice of God, the purity of God, the love of God. And we can marvel at how good God is, but at the same time, there should be a burning of our unclean lips, a reckoning with all that is not holy within us. You see, there is an aspect of church or prayer, of worship, of reading scripture that should in no no way be comfortable. When we come to God, we should reckon with the conflict that is there. There is conflict. There is conflict between our value and God's. We know God wants more from us. We know we could be doing better. And so oftentimes we just become numb to all that. We avoid the conflict and we embrace the status quo. But Jesus isn't afraid of conflict and we want to draw and if we want to draw closer to God, we need to be willing to face some conflict. To face the conflict between our values and God's values. So seeing ourselves as the Pharisees is kind of the neat and tidy, boxed up version, understanding of the story. The unboxed reading of the story is when you do the classic thing of remembering that we are meant to be like Jesus. And the purpose of the Bible, the purpose of church, the purpose of gathering here 
and the greatest part is to see more of Jesus and ideally to then become more like him. And so I've sort of avoided all of that so far in this passage. I've wanted us to reckon with the Pharisees, not with Jesus. Because what does Jesus do in this passage? He confronts, he creates conflict. I don't want more conflict in my life. When I look at our world, I don't want more conflict in our world. It doesn't seem, especially like in politics, who wants more confrontation there? We just want to just avoid it. I don't, even know, I don't even have the words for how to describe it. It's just all too dangerous. But the Jesus I see in this passage doesn't seem to do that. He doesn't avoid conflict. He doesn't, <coughs> excuse me, and maybe you say conflict's not the right word. That might not be the best word. Maybe it's confrontation. I don't, maybe there's some other better word for it. But the reality is, is Jesus is just gouging the people. And I think we, too often, we settle for like this grandmotherly, watered-down view of Jesus that doesn't match up with the biblical Jesus. The biblical Jesus is oftentimes prickly and uncomfortable and dangerous. And it's dangerous to preach about. It's dangerous to reckon with. I mean, I'm kind of jealous of you guys, like, being kids, like, I loved, as a kid, like, I had this huge rebellious spirit. Like, I, I wanted to cause problems everywhere I could. And in some ways, my wife would tell you that I've never outgrown that. Um, and it's a definite sign of immaturity. But there's also a part of that that resonates in me with, and Jesus. Jesus has this incredible rebellious streak. I mean, we could see a youth very clearly doing what he did in the scene. I mean, can't we? <laughs> and if one of our kids did that, we would very quickly reprimand them and tell them to grow up and learn how to be respectful. So are we trying to tell Jesus to grow up and be respectful and get mature and be empathetic and all these other nice, quiet, acceptable things? Or can we reckon with I don't even, this is what I'm saying. I don't know what the nice tidy bow is to put around this. It's disturbing. I think part of it is, is we have a screwed up view of conflict and confrontation and, and relationships. Like perhaps part of it is we need to learn again how to confront one another. We need to learn again how to stand for things that we think are right, to do it in a way that is productive. I, 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 I don't know. Like, again, I, this week I really tried hard to avoid this. I just want us to talk about the Pharisees. But there's something here, and it's something to wrestle with, and it's something to be excited about. I mean, it, it's fun to be called to, 
to be more childlike, to be more like a youth, to, to cause problems, but causing problems that ultimately do good. I, I, I apologize that I don't have this in a nice, neat outline for you to just swallow and take home and say, okay, I got my message for the week, I got it, and now we're good for the week. It's not the way this passage plays out. I think this passage plays out more difficultly. That's not a word. Um, plays out with a little more chaos, a little more confusion, a little more challenge. And there's something beautiful in that. And so if there's anything that I can sort of put a bow on, it is to let Jesus be Jesus and to let Scripture speak and to let it rip at us and to change us and to have the courage to then follow what we see. So will you pray with me? Father God, I, I thank you for your word to us. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for the, the remarkable person you are, he is. And Lord God, I thank you for the challenge of trying to see Jesus more clearly. Lord God, may you continue to open our eyes, continue to speak into our hearts and our lives, and give us the courage to follow you regardless of how acceptable or unacceptable that may be. We pray these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now as we sing the song of invitation, if there is something in your relationship that you're looking for more of, relationship with this church, relationship with God, relationship with Scripture, we invite you to I would be honored to have the chance to pray with you about that. If you would like to take that step forward in your life with Jesus and your life with this church. So now let us sing together.